Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffeehouse Questions. I am Ryan Polly. This week is a special podcast for you because it's not actually one of my podcasts. I was interviewed on the Tent Making Christianity podcast, and I'm going to share that interview with you guys today. I had a great time chatting with them about the beginnings of Coffeehouse Questions and also advice to new apologists and people wanting to get into apologetics. So I hope you enjoy the episode and my interview with Tent Making Christianity. Hello and welcome to the Tent Making Christianity podcast. My name is Drew. And I'm David. Thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. And we are super excited because we have a special guest with us tonight. And uh, I'm not talking about my dog, Ziva the Apologetic Wonder Dog. We He's also are... not talking about me. No, no, David's with us, whether we like it or not. No. Thanks, Just Drew. kidding, yeah. <laughs> I love you too. Uh, as I said, we have a special guest. Ryan Polly is with us. Uh, Ryan is a graduate of Vanguard University in 2010. Uh, he got his degree in religion with a emphasis in youth leadership. And after that, he went on to become a missionary in the Dominican Republic. Uh, he moved back to California in 2015. And at that point, uh, he began completing his degree at Biola for their Masters of Apologetics program. He is a member of MAVEN as of 2017, and also is a trained volunteer apologist for Reasons to Believe, and is now a Stand to Reason affiliate. So, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Drew, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, gosh. I mean, we've known each other for a few years now. I'm trying to remember which J. Warner Wallace class we took together that we first met at. Yeah, I don't know, because you showed up to a lot of those classes, and, and I took a few with him as well. I, I took, uh, well, actually, it, it had to have been God's Crime Scene, I think. Um, Must have I think been, yeah. That, I think that was the first class I took with Jay Warner Wallace, and I think that's where we ran into each other. I think so, and uh, I got to know you a little bit and started following your blog, and um, you wrote a blog post about uh, zombies and the soul. Yes. And I thought it was really intriguing, so I invited you out to talk to my youth group. And if I'm not mistaken, we were one of your first interviews. Was that That is correct. And so, you know, piecing this back together, it was at that class where we met where Jay Werner Wallace, uh, you know, I'd been blogging for about a year, and he knew that. And uh, he just said, you know, Ryan, you need to start a podcast. And I said, I don't know how to do that. And he goes, it's easy. You'll figure it out. (laughs) And uh, so about... You know, he makes everything sound easy. Right. Um, so about a month later, I think it was about a month of research, and I put out my first podcast episode. And uh, and I think, and I'm looking back, because I remember that story, The Zombies and the Soul was actually, I think, my fourth podcast that I put out. And so uh, you heard that, and you said, hey, why don't you come to my youth group? And I said, well, if I'm going to come to your youth group, can you talk about doing apologetics and youth ministry? And I interviewed you on my podcast, so you were one of the first interviews for sure. And uh, David was there as well, so... Yeah, that was a group of your students. Yeah, yeah. So we had a great time doing that, and uh, I always knew that if I got my first interview on my podcast, I wanted it to be you, so (laughs) we've come full circle. Wow, feels so special. Thank you. I know. (laughs) That was about three years ago, too. I don't know if we put that together, but that was about three years ago. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, I did the Applied Apologetics with Jay Warner Wallace, and I got the same challenge from him that you did. Yeah, yep. you need to get your podcast going. So we did. And uh, I didn't take a month to research it, though. I made all my mistakes live. 
<laughs> well, I think I just I I had no creative talents or abilities in me, and I thought I don't even know what I'm doing. And so my research was, how do you podcast? How do you record? How do you know that was my research? Yeah. Uh, and then and then I continued. So my research was not how do I do this well, but how do I just how do I get audio onto the internet? Right. Uh, <laughs> and that was that was my month. It took me a month to figure that part out. And then uh, yeah, I started recording with iPhone headphones, microphone, um, just on, you know, and, uh, that, that was, the, that was the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. I started yelling into my MacBook microphone. So know <laughs> <laughs> the feeling. So as I said, man, we're really glad you were able to join us. And, uh, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your ministry and how you got started, uh, here at Tent Making Christianity. One of our main focuses is encouraging people who, don't have degrees or uh, aren't in the ministry proper to kind of get involved in their church and serve where they can and uh, really help out. Now, of course, you did go on to get your degree in apologetics, which is fantastic. I wish everybody could do that. He's but moving up in the world. That's right. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, you know, not everyone can do that, however. Yeah. And uh, I think sometimes we feel like we're limited. You know, while I don't have the degree, I'm not a, a pastor, so I can't really help out. Yeah, But when you uh, left Vanguard, you went on to become a missionary in the Dominican, and that's kind of where your uh, ministry started, right? Yeah, it did. And I want to say really quick before we jump into that is, is that I just got my degree. Um, I've only been graduated about a year now. And so I've been blogging four years, podcasting three years, and I've only been graduated for a year. And so the majority of my ministry was pre getting my degree in apologetics. Uh, it was yeah. a certificate program. It was just fun reading. And hey, I know a little bit. Let me just share the little bit that I know. So yeah, so for me, it started in the Dominican Republic. You know, funny enough, I, I got my my undergraduate degree in, in theology, religion, youth leadership, and uh, thought I would be a youth pastor, wound up teaching in a Christian school I never wanted to teach. Long story short, I applied to be a missionary, said I want to work with baseball players and be a youth pastor. And uh, they said, we don't have that kind of job. Uh, we have a Christian school that you can teach at. And I said, I'm not doing that. Find me something else. And they said, there's nothing else. I said, I'm not teaching. Find me something else. And uh, after a month, I finally wrote back to the school and said, I'd love to teach at your school. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I went down and they told me my first year, people come down here, they teach, they love it so much, they go back to the United States and teach. And I said, that will never be me. My initial commitment was four months uh, that turned into one year, which turned into two years, which turned into four years. And wow. after four years, I left, came back to the United States, and I just finished my fourth year teaching here in the United States. So I just finished year eight teaching, and I said I would never do it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, crazy time in the Dominican Republic. Um, but while I was down there, I realized and began to experience this youth exodus, what we're going to talk about a little bit, and uh, students walking away from Christianity. Now, I have my degree in theology, but I had no idea that there was a thing called apologetics, uh, that there are arguments and reasons for the defense of Christianity. And um, and so while I'm down there, I, I thought, you know, why are these students leaving? And my conclusion on my own was, I think it's because they don't really understand why they believe what they believe. And if we can provide a foundation of Christianity for these students in helping them understand what they believe and why they believe it, then I think that will help them in transitioning well through life. So I actually started a nonprofit organization called Transition Ministries, uh, trying to help students transition from high school to college and from college into adult life. And my understanding was if Christianity is the foundation, uh, then they're going to be able to do that much better. 
And it wasn't until about two years into this project of trying to figure this out that I was introduced to apologetics through William Lane Craig. And I just went, oh my goodness, this is what I have been looking for. And that's kind of uh, what led to many more things. The box was opened. Oh yeah. Yeah, David kind of wound up finding William Lane Craig through speech and debate. Um, and it really added an impact on his life. That's interesting, though, that you discovered this need down in the Dominican Republic. We tend to kind of view this as an American problem or mm-hmm. a problem with the American church. But you're saying Western. Yeah. You're saying you found it uh, down in the Dominican Republic, too. Yeah. And I would say that it was more that of me recognizing what's still going on in the United States while I was there. Uh, the Dominican Republic is is mostly Catholic. Um, it's it, the city I lived in was about 98% Catholic or it, that's what they, and then it was like 2% evangelical. So you're pretty much either evangelical or Catholic. Um, but you know, of those Catholics, you know, it's hard to know how many were, were practicing, um, you know, re- sure. serious Catholics and who weren't, um, because of just what you saw happening in the city, uh, that I lived in, but it was more of a understanding of, man, these kids are not taking their faith seriously. Um, yeah. that I saw there, and then also continuing to follow up and to research what was going on in the United States while I was overseas. Yeah, so here, you know, we kind of look at the uh, church in America right now and say that it's becoming less and less culturally acceptable to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, do you get the feeling that maybe some of those kids in the Dominican were kind of cultural Catholics or cultural Christians because it was still a kind of an expected thing there? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's so much a part of their ingrained culture that it's just you're born into it. It's your race. It's your nationality. And I think a lot of it, it, it relates to the students that we have today. If you're born in a Christian family, you're a Christian. Right. Uh, on the weekend, you're partying with your friends. You're you're sleeping with your girlfriend. You're, you're doing things that are obviously clearly not the way that Jesus called us to live. Uh, but you're born in a Christian family. And that's just what you say you are. So that's that's true, not just of Catholics, but of Protestants and evangelicals and, and students in the United States and the Dominican Republic. Yeah, of course. So while you were there, then uh, how did Coffee House Questions come into being? Yeah, so so while I was there, my brother, who's actually in the Air Force, uh, he started getting challenges from his Air Force buddies on Christianity. And that's when he reached out to his Bible teacher. His Bible teacher said, check out William Lane Craig. And my brother said, this guy's amazing, told me about him. I started watching his debates, and he... Um, said that he was a research professor at Talbot School of Theology. And I went, what is that place? And so I Googled it and figured out because I went to Vanguard, who was in the same uh, sports conference, and I play college baseball. So we played against Biola. I went, oh, I know Biola. I played against them. So I started really looking into apologetics and realizing this is what the students needed. And so I started teaching apologetics to my high school students and uh, had a day of the week that we would cover apologetics, and we went through an apologetics curriculum. And so uh, in my last year in the Dominican Republic, myself and the other missionary actually launched a coffee house across the street from uh, one of the universities in our town. And so our goal was to kind of have a coffee house ministry where we open up and students come and come over and uh, obviously, you know, enjoy a cup of coffee, study for their test, do certain things. Uh, We also held a church service there on Sundays, but every night of the week, we would have a different focus. And so, you know, Monday night was English night and free English lessons, and they loved that. You know, Tuesday night was board game night or something. And so we'd have a different night. Well, my night was apologetics night. It was questions night. And so I said, hey, why not have a night of the week where anyone can come in and ask any question about Christianity? We'll kind of figure it out together. Um, it wasn't the most popular night. I think English <laughs> lessons were the vastly more popular. And so what 
happened is, is there were times where people came in and I could answer their questions, but most of the time it was me actually just studying. Um, I would go in and not a whole lot of people come in and I would read and I would study a few times. The Jehovah's Witnesses would also park out of, in front of the coffee house, right in front of the university and set up their little stand. And uh, so I would write up documents and I'd go down and talk to them and uh, they were not always very, they were not very happy with me. No, um, come on. No, there was one time I wrote a document that um, started off with uh, reasons why Jesus is Jehovah. And I get made about an eight point argument and I walked down and I said, hey, I've been doing some Bible study and um, I've kind of created this document. I'd love to hear what you have to say on it. And if I, you think I'm wrong, you know, kind of point out my mistakes. And he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd written up the whole thing in Spanish, you know, you know, make sure it was understandable. And he reads the first line that says, Jesus, eight reasons why Jesus is Jehovah. He shoves the paper back <laughs> in my face. He goes, I'm not looking at this. <laughs> Why not? Can you show me where I went wrong? If you think I'm wrong, he goes, you're wrong. I go, can you show me where? No, I'm not looking at that. So uh, after that, every time I showed up at the coffee house, um, you know, they kind of, uh, they kind of give me a look and I'm like, oh, okay, they don't want to talk to me. But um, so what ended up happening then is I said, hey, why not start a blog? And so the questions where people uh, come in and the questions that they ask me in the coffee house, um, I will then share that with other people. And so that's kind of how coffee house questions blog started was simply me just resharing the questions that were asked in the coffee house, uh, and my answers to them. That's great. And so at that time you didn't really have any formal apologetics training. You're learning on the fly and, uh, kind of learning under the gun as well, I would imagine. Trial by fire right there. Yeah, I think at that point I'd read probably three books. Um, <laughs> I uh, I had, might have started at that point, I might have started the certificate program. I, you know, because of the certificate program through Biola is online and uh, it was, you can do it from anywhere in the world. You don't have to have certain degrees. And so I started that. And so I was listening to lectures and I was reading and I was working through the certificate program. I never finished it. Um, I started the actual program, uh, the master's program before I finished. But um, so I was doing some of that, uh, but it was mu it was it was very much self-study. And when you're kind of the only guy, you know, I became known as kind of the apologetics guy amongst the ch churches and missionaries that we worked with. And so that kind of became my thing. And I started, you know, getting asked to talk about it. And I even uh, taught a class at the local seminary, apologetics class of uh, eight weeks. That was very hard. Uh, I think wow. it was the first and only book I've ever read in Spanish was um, Norman Geisler's When Skeptics Ask. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a Spanish translation from that. And then I translated tactics from Greg Kokel into Spanish, or not the whole book, but I translated uh, uh, my PowerPoints and actually gave tactics in Spanish down there. So wow. it was just it's much incredible. just reading on my own and, and just trying to help people understand the little bit that I knew. So not only are you learning apologetics, you're also learning how to translate it at the same time. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there were some hard points. And I remember one point in the class, my students thinking that I'm messing up on my translation and I was t describing, you know, the difference between what's, 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 uh, you know, possible and what's probable and plausible. And they're like, you're getting this all wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not. I know I had, maybe I'm not explaining it well in Spanish, but I know I'm explaining this. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Alan Schliemann talks a lot about how certain cultures, different um, phrases from tactics kind of lose their meaning when you transfer into different cultures. And uh, do you have any yeah. instances like that where just something just didn't work right the, the way it's presented in English? You know, well, that that's one thing is they didn't they didn't understand the term plausible. Um, yeah. And so that that's one thing that they were having a hard time with. 
Uh, but I, I did find um, that most, uh, at least in Spanish, um, the Dominican Republic is so, I don't want to say Americanized, but they follow American sports closely, so closely. They follow American movies closely. I mean, a lot of the movies that we would go see in theaters were in English with Spanish subtitles. They weren't even translated that, you know, into, into oh, wow. Spanish. And so uh, just so much American culture and clothing and movies and sports down there that, uh, you know, I would even go to the baseball field and say, uh, you know, how do you say swing in Spanish? Because I work with baseball players and they go swing, you know, <laughs> and so they even used a lot of English phrases like that um, just, you know, to try to help the kids out and a lot of Dominicans in the major leagues. And so uh, I didn't find that at least Dominican culture and American culture were so vastly different that I didn't have that problem that I know Alan Schleeman has going to vastly different cultures around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Was it hard translating some of the more specific instances, things like Colombo or taking the roof off where you might have to kind of adjust those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely those. And then also just the technical stuff. Um, it's just so hard when you're talking about the Kalam cosmological argument mm -hmm. and, and that sort of stuff. And I remember actually before my Spanish was that great, I remember sitting in on a class, we had an American missionary come down and he taught like a one day intensive apologetics lecture at the seminary. And I sat in on it and he had a translator and his translator was struggling. And every now and then they look over at me and like, can you help? I'm like, I can't. I have no idea. Uh, and so they kept asking me, can you teach an actual class? Not just a one day, you know, special lecture, but a whole class. And I said, I'm not doing it. There's no way. And it wasn't until after about three and a half years of being in the country and learning the language, they finally talked me into it. But yeah, there's definitely some of those things. But I mean, Colombo uh, from tactics, Colombo is is you kind of have to give that word meaning as it is, yeah. Um, yeah. even in English. So Especially those are things you just kind of say and go, Here, here's what it means. And to be to be fair, uh, the Kalam cosmological argument, that gets a lot of blank stares when people hear it in English, too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't fault them for that. Yeah. So you're, you're doing this down in the Dominican Republic, and your four years are up, and you decide to come back home. And at that point, you decide to keep doing the blog and how did the ministry grow as you came back to the States? Yeah. So I, I, I came back to the States and I applied for the apologetics program at Biola and I started that program. And so I went, okay, I'm going to keep writing. As I continued writing, I kind of went, okay, now I'm not doing coffee house stuff anymore. Maybe I'm going to change it and trying to think of new names and talk to a bunch of different people. And they kind of said, it's a unique name and uh, it's a good name. And yeah. I love, I love the main idea behind it because in my mind, what the way that I try to structure my ministry, and if you listen to my podcast or, or anything, it's not, I have a hard, I want to be careful in the way that I say this. It, it is research because I've done my research. I I've done the classes. I've looked into this. I've taught classes. And so I, and so I've done the research, but it's not a research podcast in the sense that I'm not writing it out word for word, this super articulated, you know, podcast. Still pretty uh, the, the, way, the way that I, the way that I record is very much off the top of my head as if I were at a coffee shop with a student and the high school student calls me up and says, Hey, can we grab coffee? And I go, sure. And we go out to a cup of coffee and they say, Hey, I got questions. And how would I kind of answer it? Just, you know, I'm not going to say, Hey, let me pull out my computer and let me, you know, <laughs> research all this kind of stuff. And and the reason I like that is because that's what that's the way that it happens to most of us. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, and not very often are you going to be able to give a response like William Lane Craig does in a debate where he has researched it and researched it and rewritten it and rewritten it and to where he has the most perfectly worded three-minute response you could possibly imagine because he has to get every little piece of information into three minutes. You know, that's not what most of us are doing. We're we're getting 
we're having to answer questions off the cuff uh, right in front of someone where we don't have time to pull out some notes. And so that's the way that I've always kind of tried to structure my thing. And that's the reason why I continue to love Coffeehouse Questions is it has that idea of, hey, if you're at a coffee house and someone just starts asking you questions, how do you respond? What are some basic ideas that you can kind of get across to get people thinking? To be honest, I always just assumed that concept was where the name came from. I only pretty recently heard the origin story. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think you bring up a great point that, you know, we oftentimes don't have access to research or the internet, or we don't carry around philosophical foundations for a Christian worldview. Maybe you don't. No, I know a few (laughs) people who do, but um, yeah, so you really have to respond off the cuff and it puts you under the gun a little bit, but I think it really uh, increases your learning ability because you know you're going to be under pressure and uh, coming up with those answers off the cuff, you know, you have to be prepared for it. Yeah. And then there are apps. I, I know a lot of ministries like Standard Reason and Cross-Examine have apps that they kind of have their short answer sections that you can look up on the fly. And those are awesome and helpful. Um, what I've just found with myself is that I, when I, you know, I've stopped memorizing people's numbers because you don't need them anymore. You just look yeah. them up. Right. And so I, I want to be memorizing this information. I really want it inside of me. And so I, I tend to, you know, steer away from those apps. I, I don't use them personally. I know a lot of, you know, people that do, and they're awesome. But, you know, with my rule of thumb and what I tell my students is, is I only want there to be one time where I don't know the answer to the question. And there's going to yeah. be a time I'm asked a question I don't know. And you say, I don't know. And then I research it. And to the point where I remember it. And then I'm not going to uh, hopefully forget it. And uh, and so as I go along, you know, the, man, after now doing this for six or so years, seven years, and a lot of Q&As and a lot of videos, and, and my high school students, my goodness, uh, I think that's where I think I have an advantage. My high school students ask me so many questions every single day that I have to just get used to answering questions on the fly. And it really helps kind of solidify that information in me uh, to where I continue to learn more answers and more answers every day. And then I can be more prepared when something comes up randomly at a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, I have all of those apps downloaded on my phone and I rarely ever look at them. Yep. Um, you know, they're kind of a security blanket for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I, David brought up a good point a few weeks ago. He says, just knowing that there are smart people out there that have figured these things out gives you a lot of confidence. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Even if I don't know everything, it does help a little bit knowing you've got smart people on your team. And that's one thing I try to encourage a lot of students with after I give talks or my my classes. Like, just remember, there are smart people out there. They've answered every question that you can imagine. Uh, there's an answer to, so you just have to know where to find it. And it even kind of goes back to what you were saying with you know only not knowing the answer to a question that one time. I think the key to being an apologist right now for all of us is not that we know everything. It's that we know where to find the answers. We're not necessarily pulling out these apps and constantly consulting them in the middle of a conversation, but they're great if you are just thinking about something and want to know how to answer that in the future. Absolutely. You know, it's the same thing with a Christian life. When you're a beginning Christian and you, you're you going to have a bit, not a very good understanding, but as you grow and as you study then you're going to be able to answer questions like who was Jesus and why is his death on the cross important? And how do you explain maybe the Trinity? Maybe that's a more difficult one, but you know, why did Jesus have to die? And these sort of questions that we should, you know, when you've been a Christian for 20 years, you should be able to answer. And you know, if, if someone's been a Christian and they don't understand what grace is or what, you know, justification is or sanctification, you go, well, what are you studying? At least that's what goes through my mind. And so 
absolutely, as a beginning apologist, there's going to be that need to to reference the works of incredible people that have put out these apps to help. But hopefully, once you've explained the Kalam cosmological argument a couple times, you know, it's not that hard to memorize. I make my high school students memorize it. Uh, and then it just comes up in the conversation and you slowly can kind of wean yourself off of those as you grow in knowledge and understanding, uh, making a defense for Christianity. Yeah, that's one thing I learned when I was working with youth is initially I would just answer their questions. And then I got to the point where I would tell them, well, look, you, you have this objection that you came up with or that someone presented you with. Did you even try to find an answer to it? And they would kind of look at me blankly and, well, gee, no, I never thought that there might be an answer for it. And I'll tell you what, go home, look it up, see if you can find the answer. Come back to me next week and tell me what you find. If you can't find it at that point, then I'll help you out. But I wanted to get them in the process of realizing that there are answers to these questions. They just have to look for them. Absolutely. Kind of the teach a man to fish principle. Yeah. Yeah. So... What advice would you have for someone who is doesn't have a degree, they want to get involved, and they're not quite sure where to start or what they should do? Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's I what mean, I that, would say, too. Yeah, that that really part. is it. You know, and, and I'm reminded, as you asked me that question, of something that Craig Hazen says, the director of the apologetics program at Biola. But he says uh, something that's sort of when you get a certificate in apologetics from Biola, then you are in the top 5% of people educated in apologetics. And he goes, it's not because our program is so amazing. It's because of the, the knowledge in this area is so low among most people. And, you know, so if that's true, where if a certificate puts you in the top 5%, then reading a couple books, uh, having a few ideas on something is going to put you, make you more knowledgeable, or at least give you something of importance to share with people around you. And so, man, it, it, you pick up a book, and start reading tactics or start reading I don't have enough faith to be an atheist or whatever book it is. And, you know, each chapter put out some little ideas or have a conversation with someone and start to share that because I guarantee you most people are not picking up those books and reading through them. Um, you know, one of the major arguments of, uh, of the problem of evil, you pick up Clay Jones' book on why God allows evil. And, you know, as you read a chapter and he presents, you know, an idea, then you share that with someone. And, and just start sharing it because, man, you read that one chapter, you're going to be have more knowledge in that area than a lot of other people, and therefore you have something valuable to give. Yeah, and really with anything in life, that's what you need to be a teacher is you just have to know one more thing than the person you're talking to and convey that to them so that they catch it. Maybe and, it's a personality thing, but there's a bit of excitement in that. You know, you read that one chapter, realize you learned something that a lot of people you know have never heard before. It's like, wow, this... This is kind of new. This is different. This is exciting. Makes you want to go to the second chapter. Absolutely. And then you start to see opportunities all around you of just things in culture that come up. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I have a thought on that. And and to be able to you – know, I, I my, my thing is often I just think Christians are often very silent on issues. Yeah. And then uh, something happens and, and the culture goes a certain way and we go, oh, my goodness, how did that happen? And it's like, well, the church was silent. Yeah. You know, what, what if what if when, you know, I'm doing a video series right now on abortion and what if, you know, 50 percent or 20 percent of Christians were out there making an educated, thoughtful response, giving an educated, thoughtful response on the abortion issue? That would be such a incredible voice in our culture. The problem is it's just such a minority of people that are actually giving out there. And, and it doesn't take that much when you look at the evidence, you know, the logic for abortion uh, to, you know, you study for 10 minutes and you can make a really strong defense because it's it's simple. Science says it's a human being. Philosophy says there's nothing different. You can't kill it. Um, and so, you know, if more Christians would step up, I think, 
and start to voice uh, these things in a reasonable, rational way, uh, it'd be such an amazing, I think, influence in our culture. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers and just the amount of people that should be on our side speaking out, we should just be flooding the marketplace of ideas and it's not coming. And it's kind of frustrating. You know, it, it really doesn't take a lot of work to get educated on some of these issues and be a strong voice. And I think we have a lot of power that we're not using uh, to influence the culture. And it reminds me of a recent uh, conversation I had with an adult group where they, they said, well, I'm scared to say something to you. I was doing an atheist role play. They said, you know, I, I don't want to say anything because you're just going to push against me and you're going to argue against. <laughs> and I go, well, of course I am. I'm role playing an atheist. But right. you know, I think if we have that same fear is if I stand up in culture and I defend something, someone's going to push against me. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But that's where you respond and that's where you learn to make better reasons and, and better arguments. And, and hopefully, again, to look, even presenting the gospel, people are going to push against you. Uh, and if that is our, our reason, our excuse for not sharing the gospel and not making a defense for Christianity, my goodness, uh, we're not doing what God called us to do, to go and make disciples and to always be ready to give a defense and be ambassadors for Christ. Yeah, no, some great points there, Ryan. All right, so this is, uh, we're right up against the half hour here, and um, you've agreed to come back with us next week, and we're going to talk a little bit about the youth exodus of the church. Uh, but before we go, uh, would you like to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, coffeehousequestions.com is my website. There is videos, YouTube. You can search Ryan Polly on YouTube. Um, iTunes has the podcast and everything. But everything can be found at coffeehousequestions.com. All right, good deal. And we are Tentmaking Christianity. You can find us on the web at tentmakingchristianity.com. We're also on Facebook at Tentmaking Christianity. We're on Twitter at TMC Drew. We're on Instagram at TMCDrew underscore covert, and you can email us at david at tentmakingchristianity.com or drew at tentmakingchristianity.com. Well, thank you all so much for listening to that episode, and go ahead and check out tentmakingchristianity.com for more episodes by them. And thank you so much for those who have been leaving reviews on iTunes. I see that those have been increasing, and I really do appreciate it. Have an awesome rest of your week. God bless. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Coffeehouse Questions with Ryan Pauly.